Welcome back to the Behind the Wall Show. Roger Abel here with Elias Randall. Elias, I know I gave you a homework assignment over the weekend. What did yep. you think about the Tinder swindler? Disgusting. I mean, it was a little fascinating. I I didn't really know what, what it was. Um, but, you know, I see on Facebook and people are like, hey, Tinder swindler and all this stuff. So I'm like, I was working out. So I'm like, this would be a good way to pass, you know, a couple hours on the elliptical machine. And we thought we'd talk about it today because there's this shift in how people or how individuals get taken advantage of money-wise. And if you haven't seen the Tinder swindler, um, I think it's good if we just back up and talk a little bit about what it is, why it's important, and some of the new things people should be thinking about in regards to their money and their relationships with people and all of those different things. Um, I asked you before the show, jokingly, if Tinder was around when you were born, because about a year ago, you asked me if the internet was invented when I, I got married or something like that. Like, yeah. I was so old, I didn't know what the internet was. Yeah, um, I did. But, uh, you know, ten, Tinder was, um, it was not, I know it wasn't around when I was in college. If it was, I was unaware of it. Um, but I'm actually, I think it came out right around the time I started dating my wife. Cause I do remember some, uh, me and Maddie have been dating for a little bit. And then a friend of mine was like, man, you heard of Tinder. You got to see this. But I had a new girlfriend, so it was nothing that I ever even, I've, I've never tried it. I've never been, I know what it is. I know how it works. I know plenty of people who use it. Um, well, there's a shift. So yeah, I was, I was around when it was around. I, I just it, never used it. I know it was, it was a joke. I, I knew you were, um, for those listening that don't know what Tinder is, it's a dating app or a hookup app or whatever you want to call it. And yeah, I've been married. It'll be 20 years this year. So really, even when I got married, dating apps were like, I don't even know if match was around. I mean, nobody was meeting people in an online capacity yep. back then. And you, I guarantee you, you don't remember this, but I believe there used to be a section in the newspaper where you could go find like people that were looking to date people. Like they in had the a newspaper. dating section in the newspaper. And not that I ever did that, just that's how far we've come now. Timber, it's this little app. Full disclosure, I've never used it. My cousin, who, you know, he's younger than I am, has used it. I guess you swipe left, you swipe right. I don't know what happens when you do either one, but one's like I like here, one's I one is I don't. And the Tinder swindler is a story about a gentleman on there who sets up a profile with the intention of scamming um, these women. And really he's running a Ponzi scheme. And what I mean by that, when they first talked about this, I'm like, how is he running a Ponzi scheme? But what he does is he gets one woman into the relationship so he can fund the other women already in the relationship. So he keeps bringing more women in and it's literally the same story. He claims he's from a, um, he, he'll claim he does different, different, uh, different businesses, but his primary one is he's from a famous diamond family and that his enemies are out to get him and it's very dangerous. So these women are a little fearful once they get into the relationship and he has the same staged things that happen. One of them, his bodyguard, Peter gets hurt and there's a picture of him with a cut on his head and he's in an ambulance 
And he's like, my enemies are getting me. And that's like the first way he gets these women to give him money because they fear fear. They, they feel fearful that someone's coming after them. And he asked for money because his enemies have shut down their bank accounts. And these women all think he has a lot, a lot of money. He originally meets them in like a five-star hotel and he has a jet and he has all of these different things that would portray him as very successful. And he's mastered the con, I, I should say. Um, so one of the things people need to be looking out for today are these online scams. And if we think he's the only person doing this, you're probably sad, sadly mistaken. I would venture to guess most people listening to this show know somebody. Maybe it's a second or third or fourth connection that's been affected by some type of an online dating scam or it may not, may not even be dating. It could be the lottery, the Jamaican lottery or some other online money scam. Do you know, do you know anybody Elias? Cause I probably know five or six people. Uh, I mean, I know people have had a identity theft. Um, yeah, I think that's different than I met somebody online and I gave my money away, whether it was, advantage uh, of them. I don't think I actually know anyone personally that's ever told me that. So in 2021 romance scams hit an all time high victims were conned out of more than $540 million. Just fathom that. That's just money given away to people. And it all starts out innocent. It starts out, people believe they're in a real relationship with these people. If you watch Tinder Swindler, these women believed they were in a real relationship with people. And we've got kind of the early, we got a little thing we're going to talk about. What are the signs that this might not be real? Um, and one of the things I thought about that, goes with the online dating scam is the cryptocurrency scams that are happening. It's exactly the same thing. People are being scammed out of their cryptocurrency very, very easily or getting involved in something that's not real. And part of the problem goes back to what we've talked about on this show so many times and that most people don't understand crypto, what it is, how it works, but they're willing to put their money into it. Yeah. And this, uh, I mean, this was the the whole uh, story this guy created. This is the Tinder swindler. That is an elaborate story. If there wasn't a, someone, I almost don't know if I could believe it if it wasn't like the Netflix documentary with all the videos and his correspondence and and the way he built up the relationship because it was like, how do you, I just, I was watching it thinking, how do you come up with a lie like this? It's un, unreal. But um, anyway, what was your question? Think, think, no, you're right. And that's what, that's what made the scam so good. Like, like you said, how would somebody develop this? Because it was the same scam over and over and it's so elaborate and so over the top. That's just hard to even fathom that it's not real. And that's why he's able to get these women into these relationships. He's got two or three or four at the same time. And what he does, he's flying around in this private jet and these women are financing all of this. I mean, every single dollar of it. he has no money, but it looks like he is so wealthy. So then what happens? Oh, well, he's got so much money. 
he doesn't need mine. I'm more than happy to help him out because his enemies or his bank accounts are frozen because of the dangerous work he's in. And you're right, it's elaborate, and that's how it works. So one of the things we thought we would do is, you know, go through kind of the six signs that you're being, you know, exploited in kind of a dating app scam or any scam in general. Because there's really some general signs that you should look out for. And if any of these happen, the red flag meter should go up. Yeah. So let's the first one. The first one, they can never meet in person. He, this guy, he... He was so good. He met in person. Right. So He's a, you, this guy's professional, professional con artist. So what will be really fun about this is let's go through all of these six and talk about why the Tindler Swindler scam was so good. Because you hit it on the head. He was more than happy to meet him in person. And as soon as you sit down with somebody and you feel some level of connection, there's instant trust. If people listening go back and think about the people you trust in your life and look at the relationship you have with those people. A lot of times you have some common interest. Maybe it's golf, maybe it's, you know, church, maybe it's fishing, whatever it could be. If you have a connection with somebody, you have this instant sense of calmness. And that's what these women felt the same thing. Like, Hey, this guy will meet with me on the first date. We're having a great cup of coffee in a nice restaurant. And clearly these women were motivated at some level about being involved in a relationship with a successful person doesn't mean they were money motivated. They just wanted to be involved with a successful person. And that's what they saw. So they had a level of connection. But if at any point you're in a relationship or doing an online relationship with someone and they can never meet you in person, that should be the number one red flag. And What's funny about this, Elias, last week when we were getting ready to do this show and decided to push it back, I asked you, I said, did you watch the Tinder Tinder Swindler? You said, no, but I said, do you know what it is? Well, yeah, it's a catfishing thing. And it wasn't catfishing because catfishing, you don't really ever meet him until like the end. Right. And that's why I'm like, well, you should watch this because this is a totally different money scam than I've ever seen. I mean, this is as elaborate as it gets. Yeah, this is... I mean, this is such a scam. Like, this could be on an episode of uh, American Greed when they show different Ponzi schemes and stuff in businesses. Like, this guy's a top-notch con artist. It almost makes me wonder, what if he wasn't a con artist and he just put those skills into being an entrepreneur or something? He would probably... It's He could probably succeed the honest way, just not wired right or something. If you go back, I've said this forever, you have all these people, like the Jordan Belforts of the world, Right. He created this elaborate scam. The guy was going to be successful whether or not he ripped somebody off. He didn't have to steal from people to be successful. Yeah. But they see they get they want it to happen faster. They want it to be bigger. Same thing with this with the guy in the Tinder swindler. Okay, Number two sign that it may be too good to be true or you could be involved in some kind of, a, you know, dating scam. They claim to be ridiculously rich. So in the Tinder Swindler, these women thought he was ridiculously rich. Yeah, they're thinking he might be a billionaire. He claimed to be a billionaire. Yeah. In, the, in the case with the set of women, and we don't know how many women this goes through, but the three women in the, in the series, he claimed to be from a uh, 
uh, a diamond family, the heir of a diamond family. He was a billionaire and he dressed the part. He looked the part. So we'd meet these women. The first day was always at a five-star hotel to have a cup of coffee. So public setting, he'd be dressed to the nines, all designer clothing. So they believed he was rich. Not did he just claim they saw it. And then he'd take him on a date. And where did he take him on the date? Fancy restaurant. Airplane. Oh, Puts private him on a jet. private jet. Yeah, and we private fly jet. to this club and he runs a $25,000 tab. So not only did he say he was rich, he portrayed it in the video. It's one thing to say I have it. It's second thing to portray it. So the women really got caught up in it. The third way, they have generic pictures, right? They have generic pictures of people. And if you think about the Tinder swindler, his pictures weren't generic. It was him in every picture. What we came to realize at the end of the documentary is that he had doctored some of the pictures. He had added his picture with the famous Diamond family. You know, he found a husband and wife picture of this family and it added his picture. I would guess if somebody would have went and done some real research, they probably would have found the picture of the husband and wife of this famous Diamond family and, and he's not without in him it. in yeah, it. Probably. And if they really wanted to dig in, but they weren't suspecting it. But if you see the person you're potentially dating has all of these generic pictures, you know, in in to credit these women, the the primary w- woman of the show, she actually the first thing she did is she went to Google. That was the very first thing she did. Mm-hmm. So she was trying to do everything right, but they had just really covered their steps. But number three is if the pictures are generic, it should be a red flag. Um, four, if the person you're dating online wants to go straight to a text or email chain, that should be a red flag. If they don't want to set talk on the phone, they just primarily want to text or email, that should be a red flag. And I think about this. When I send you an email, Elias, or a text message, there's a few things that can't be interpreted. You can't interpret my tone. You can't interpret my feeling. And things kind of get lost in translation sometimes. Like, you know, everybody communicates differently via text, via email, all of these different things. So if they want to go write the text or email, that should be a red flag that these people don't really want to engage on the phone. And they're kind of have, having some type of a distancing relationship. Yeah, and I feel like he took this to, again, a different level because a lot of the communication was, we'll just call it through text, email, or just technology. But, you know, he's utilizing that WhatsApp to send video messages and not just text messages, but they were like, to me, it was like a voice text message. You can record what you want to say and send it almost like a, a voicemail, but you didn't call and leave a voicemail. I think he was doing that through the WhatsApp. So, um, again, just this guy was obviously hard to catch and he was really good at everything. And, um, I just thought even his use of the video messages, but if you think about now, once everything comes to light, it makes sense that he was doing all that because, well, it's a lot easier to sit there on an airplane and record yourself doing the same message three times. The only difference is it's going to a different person 
each time. So if you know the person, you address them correctly, you can watch it to make sure it's right and then send it to them. That's a good point. I mean, I didn't think about that. By doing that, he literally can record the message a dozen times and fine tune it to get it where he wants it to go versus it be a live conversation on the phone. Right, which is a lot more difficult. If you're trying to scam someone, it's probably a lot better to kind of do a couple rehearsals and then it feels good and then it looks natural and then you send it. What's the problem with a lie? You got to keep up with the lie. Well, if you've got... Well, all his were documented too that way. Yeah, well, if yeah. you have 11 different women or however many, or three or four even, that he's trying to keep on the chain, all it takes is one mistake and it's all over. So yeah. that, that, that leads to another reason why, you know, if they want to communicate in this manner, it becomes challenging. But the other thing to think about, once you give out your email address, if they know how to hack into your email or get in there, it could all be over. You think about how much personal information you have in your email, whether you think you have it or not, it's in there. I mean, people save documents there. I mean, in general, as a society, most people are not that secure with their email or with their personal documents. Now, I mean, I've seen it. People email stuff to me that they shouldn't email. I mean, we try to get everybody to encrypt everything, but occasionally people email stuff. I'm like, man, I can't believe you emailed me that. I, I That's got your account number on it. And yeah. if anything we've learned in the last like five years, email is not that secure. Um. I think this is the one where, and I'll let you take this, Elias, but number five, um, this is the one I think gets a lot of people in relationships to kind of make the next step of commitment. And this is where once they they hit this stage, the scam really takes off. And that's they talk about the future too early. Yeah, and so uh, the Tinder swindler, he this was all part of his – game plan so there would be you know he'd be working a new prospect or what a new female he had met and then uh, eventually he would you know keep the relationship like getting to know you for a few weeks but then eventually he would say I could see you being my wife I could see us starting a family you know all the things that if you're if you're looking for a relationship and you're starting to get to know someone and starting to like them. Well, those are the things you're probably starting to think about. Those are the things you like to hear. And, uh, yeah, it was absolutely part of his plan. That was another way, another way he lured them in. But at the same time, it would be like in the first few weeks of the relationship, first month of the relation relationship. And that's, I don't know, to me, that's moving pretty quick, but Again, not, I haven't dated for a long time, so I don't know how it works anymore. Yeah, and I'm not saying that can't happen, but this is the critical step to pulling off the con is they want them to feel like there's a level of commitment. You think about once you're engaged to somebody, you feel like you're married, and that's the commitment level. We're going to get married. We're, we, we're going to get engaged. All of a sudden, the barriers come down. And when they ask for something, what are you going to say? Well, this is your like life. You assume or you think it's going to be your life partner. So you're willing to do anything for that person. This comes down to number six. They ask you for money. See, everybody thinks the scam artist asks for the money right away. It doesn't. It develops over time. And they wait until all of the above five things have been met. 
and they know that you feel a level of commitment, then how does this conversation go when they need money? It's never like, hey, I need money. It's in this situation, my enemies are after me. They have shut down my bank account. I'm stuck somewhere. Could you please send 15,000 so I can get a flight? That yeah. was, that's how it starts. I wouldn't want to inconvenience you. A lot of times the, the scammer in the relationship will just mention that they're having a hard time financially or that something happened and they couldn't pay a bill. And a lot of times the person that now is committed, the person who's getting scammed will say, well, I could loan you the money or I could give you the money. And the scammer says, oh, I couldn't do that. And they're like, oh, no, I want to. You know, we're committed. We're in a relationship. And that's a lot of times how it starts. They try to make them feel like it was their idea to give them the money, even though they have the alternative motive. In the Tinder swindler, it was, hey, I'm in trouble. Please help me out. And now that they feel like they're in this committed relationship, they're more than happy to help out. But in the Tinder swindler, the red, the red flag should have went up when he needed a large amount of money and sent documents, basically falsified documents, showing her employment for him so she could get a large American Express card line of credit. Like at some point, if everybody just remembers we shouldn't lie about anything, a lot of her problems could have been yeah. eliminated here because she would have got the credit card. She wouldn't have had the extra credit. She'd have been out of money. Yes, but it would have limited the damage that had been done. Yeah, it would have. And now that we're going through these, uh, so this group, I mean, I know the swindler's one guy, but then he's basically got two friends that seem like they're all in on it. It's almost like they went through, like the six things we talked about, these are the red flags. Well, they knew that these are potential red flags. How do we craft this great story that, a red flag never gets raised because it's just such a believable production essentially. So then we can ask for money and they'll just say yes. Well, remember, it's unreal. Remember the scam artists are most of them are, like you said, or they're really, they're intelligent. They'd have good businesses if they just did it the right way. So put yourself and pretend that you're in that situation. Yeah. You'd say, Oh yeah. What are the top reasons? or top ways to hook people. And they're going through this, crafting the whole thing. You're exactly right. And what happened, and this is what I wish wish I knew, and we will never, because they won't admit to it. How many times have they done this? And then also, how long did it take them to perfect it? Because they, have it, they had it to the point where it was perfected. I mean, they used the same pictures of the bodyguard and the cut on his head in the ambulance over and over and over with multiple different people. So it was the same con. It wasn't like they were just making up a new one for each person. It was deliberate and they had a plan for exactly how this is supposed to go. Right. And I, yeah, their con probably didn't start as spectacular as it evolved into. So I'm sure, you know, they were conning people before, but they just kept getting, they wherever they started, they definitely probably didn't start with this elaborate story. It started with something smaller and just kept evolving from there. But well, and regardless, they're experts at it. And what this was, it was more once again, it's a cop, but it's a Ponzi scheme because he had to continually recruit or find new money. find new people to find new money to 
keep the other people on the line long enough until he got the next set of money, right? Because this didn't happen like overnight. Some of them it, thought they were dating him for like months, six months. Like we're in a relationship yeah. before he asked him for money. Um, and like any Ponzi scheme, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? The, the money has to go up because you get farther and farther in the hole. It probably didn't start. It may not even started out with this intention. Think about this. Like most Ponzi schemes, most Ponzi schemes, the person doesn't set out to create a Ponzi scheme. They have one no. indiscretion. And next thing they know, it's small and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it explodes into this. Now, here's what I found interesting. The guy spent very little time in jail, like a few months. Yeah. I, I was shocked by that, but I don't know, maybe over, cause this all happened overseas, like in the UK, I think like Britain in the, in that area, um, their laws might be different, but he spent very little time and he's back on Tinder and he has another girlfriend. I know. I don't. How would you ever get a date on Tinder again if this was you? And the thing is that when these women brought him down, their goal is to bring him down. So everybody knew that he was a swindler. So he wouldn't get dates on Tinder anymore. Yeah. I think his actions show he's just going to keep doing it until it's not possible for him to do it anymore. Yeah. It, so it was fascinating. If you haven't watched Tinder swindler, go watch it because I think you'll be like us. It's almost unbelievable, but then you start putting the things together and he basically did all the things that hit on human emotion and why somebody would actually give away their money like this. Um, I'm going to switch gears, though. We have, I know in our office, a fair amount of people who want to retire before they're 59 and a half. And there's this kind of, not fallacy, but this fear of retiring before you're 59 and a half because you don't think you can get access to your money. And what I mean access to your money is 401ks, IRAs, Roth IRAs all have the 59 and a half rule, which means technically you can't access all of your funds before 59 and a half without paying a 10% penalty and tax in the funds that you take out. So this has had this fearful kind of connotation with people and a lot of people delay retirement till they're 59 and a half because of this rule. Well, the good news I want everybody to know is there are ways around this to avoid the penalty. Many employers have what's called a rule of 55, just says if you retire after 55, you can take funds out of your 401k as long as they stay in the 401k without a penalty. But for those who have all their money in an IRA, there's what's called a 72T or um, 72Q for the non-qualified money. And what it really means is you have the opportunity to take substantially equal periodic payments. And this has been around forever. Okay, so what the IRS says, if you want to, if 54, you want to access your funds, there's a table you can go to. And it's determined by interest rates, how much money you'd be allowed to take out of your 401k, as long as you take five equal and periodic payments. So you have to take it for five years. It has to be exactly the same. You can't deviate at all. If you deviate, it blows the entire thing up. And one of the challenging things that we've seen with people the last two years is that interest rates have been exceptionally low. And this table 
and this factor to determine how much money you can actually take out of the the or take out of the IRA in the case, you know, and have substantially equal and periodic payments. It's all driven by the federal midterm rate, which for most people, they're like, what in the world is that? The IRS has a table, but the rates have been really low, like one to one and a half percent. Some cases even lower if you would have done it in 2020 COVID year. In fact, we had one client we convinced to wait a few months. I think we got him pushed off six or eight months. Mm-hmm just to see if the rate went up and it went up by like 1% and had a big impact on how much money he was taking out. Well, recently the IRS adopted some new rules that will allow um, people to use um, a new floor rate of 5%, which is significantly higher. It's a dramatic impact on people who are looking at using a 72T. So if somebody out there listening to this show thinks they want to retire before 59 and a half and you're fearful that you can't do it because of the, because of the rules in place should go to our website, btwellshow.com, click contact an advisor, get a plan. We can help you plan for this, but this is a pretty big deal for a lot of people who are looking to utilize this strategy, Elias. It is so, and I, so really, this is going to allow people to access, if you can use 5% as the floor rate, then before 59 and a half, you could commit to higher dollar amounts. Absolutely. And so I don't want people to think you get to take 5% out. That's not how it works. They actually use a couple, you have the option to use a couple of different tables. You can use an amortization method. You can use the um, single life method. You can use an RMD method. And don't get too caught up in what that is. It's just the determination of how much money you could take out each calendar year. And there's some really important rules that you may not want to do this yourself because once again, if you mess it up, you mess the whole thing up. A lot of people don't realize it's a calendar year distribution. So if you had a client or an individual said, hey, I want to start the the distribution in 2021 and it was December. You have to take one in December for the whole year, which for some people is good because you can take one in December and you can take one in January of 2022. Then you haven't blown it up and you get a big infusion of cash. So there's some very specific rules that people should do, but this is going to allow you a higher payment through the 72T if you're retiring pre 59 and a half. And it's an important planning tool that I think is actually overlooked by a lot of people that could retire early, but feel like they're stuck because they are so afraid of having a penalty of some kind. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's, um, it's doable, but it's obviously there's more to it. It's not like setting up, you know, once someone's over 59 and a half, it's easier to set up, uh, distributions and stuff like that. So there's like, you know, it's just like anything else. There's rules. Okay. So now here's this way that you can be within the rules and get the money early, but it's not just as easy as just starting to take money out. Right. There's a layer of paperwork. There's a layer of, okay, I have to do, I have to know the midterm rates. I have to do the calculation correctly. And then you have to select a dollar amount that is going to work for five years. So that's just challenging in in itself. Like, how do I know that this dollar amount's good for the next five years? Well, so here's how I know people can't do this themselves or shouldn't, I won't say can't, but shouldn't. Number one, if you don't have a plan, be really hard to determine if this will work. 
But number two, I remember when I set my very first 72T distribution up for somebody, my anxiety level to make sure this was done correctly was extra high. And I do this every single day. Like <laughs> I was so nervous the first time I did one because, you know, if you mess it up, it's a big, you, let's say you have someone taking out 60,000 a year and then they take out a quarter million bucks. You realize you messed it up. It's a $25,000 penalty. That's steep. Like, so the stakes are big. So if you're thinking you want to retire early and you just don't know how to do it, go to btwellshow.com. We'll help you get a plan and kind of show you your options that are available. And for some people, they don't even realize that they might have the option in their current 401k plan at their employer that they could do a rule of 55 and avoid all of this. But you should reach out to an advisor to understand what your options are if you think you want to retire early. Um, with that said, Elias, I'm happy you watched the Tinder Swindler. I thought it was a fun show to do today. Do you have any closing remarks for everybody? Well, I guess if, uh, yeah, closing remarks would be, you know, just be careful with your online interactions and social media and stuff like that. And, you know, if, there, if there's a red flag or if anything gives you some sort of sense that something's not quite right, you know, trust your instincts on that kind of stuff, too. So th those would be my kind of closing remarks on all that. With that said, I want to thank everybody for listening. You can go to btwellshow.com for more information. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.